0: Hello and welcome to this off-the-cuff edition of The Network Collective. Today we're recording in a rare, rainy, reary, rainy and dreary uh, Silicon Valley at the tail end of Networking Field Day 20. I've gathered a few of the delegates from the event um, to talk about some of their impressions and some of the things they think are worth paying attention to. Before jumping in, I think it would be a good idea to know who is sitting around the table here, which is not virtual today. It's actually physical. It's quite nice, actually, since we're all in the same spot. Uh, so we're going to take a second just to let everyone introduce themselves. Why don't we start with you, Richard?
1: Uh, well, Hi, everyone. My name is Richard McIntosh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 802tophat. Uh, I'm a CWE number uh, 295 uh, with a background in network engineering and particularly a passion for wireless.
2: Awesome. I'm Drew Connery-Murray, I work for the Packet Pushers as a podcaster and blogger. I'm on Twitter at Drew CM.
3: Hi, uh,
4: my name's Ryan Gleason. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bytes of Cloud, that's uh, B-Y-T-E-S. Cloud. Uh, B-Y-T-E-S. Um, I do some uh, blogging on the side when uh, when I find some time from my day job as a, as a network engineer.
3: Hi, my name is Mario Gingras. You can find me on Twitter at G-I-N-G-M-A-R. And on my neglected blog, g-i-n-g-m-i-r.wordpress.com. Currently, network wireless admin for major video editor, been in the network industry for the last 20 years.
5: I'm Nick Shoemaker. You can find me at Twitter at, at nshoe 18 Hopefully, have CWNE number close to get to Richard here and uh, do uh, wireless for about the last 20 years.
0: All right, I'm Jordan Martin at BC Jordo. Uh, you guys know where to find me. To hear from hear from me all the time. So one of the big themes of this event was uh, analytics, visibility, and monitoring. Um, it seemed like just about everybody was talking to us about it, whether that was their whole job, or their whole product was that, or it was they did this and analytics and visibility. Uh, so what what really kind of like piqued your interest, or, or was something that caught your attention as it related to analytics?
4: So so for me, um, I think we talked with uh, with. Um, Path Solutions uh, this afternoon, and, um, and just the the ability to, to look in and and um, troubleshoot different interfaces and uh, the information they were collecting, um, sort of the contextual uh, helps. You know, why do you see CRC errors, or why do you see um, you know, packet loss, or whatnot? Um, and then some hints on how to start troubleshooting those things. Uh, I thought to myself, geez, I wish I would have had this when I was you know when I was growing up, and still had my little punch-down toolkit in, uh, in my back pocket. Um, that, that just stood out to me. I'd, I would I'd love to see uh, further development on that and even try and get
0: that into my own organization. There seemed to be a pretty wide array uh, from, I mean, you mentioned past solutions, which seemed to be at least what I'm familiar with from a monitoring platform. You know, the days of monitoring SNMP and, and you know kind of pulling in lots of statistics, and they did it well. Um, and they did it a bit differently than I've seen in the past. So it's not I'm not trying to like pigeonhole them as you know this particular you know thing, um, but it kind of went to the other spectrum as well because we we had a presentation I thought was pretty good uh, from Extreme right on on machine learning and how they're using that level of analytics and it's really funny as I was sitting there in a presentation I had a snarky tweet all ready to go I was just ready to go about how machine learning is almost always just baseline analytics like that's just almost what it is and then then they schooled us for about 60 minutes on what they were doing with machine learning specifically and that was a phenomenal presentation about how they use machine learning to learn about how the how the network actually runs and uh, and to use heuristics to find uh, variations that are actual variations not just based off of baseline but anomalous behavior I thought that was really interesting.
3: And Nienza presented to us basically the same same thing as for IoT monitoring, trying to figure out, okay, why is that IoT device should do and if it kind of derailed from it and do something else. And Xtreme was about basically the same the same thing. But what I really liked about Xtreme that they really went to and explained to us how they applied the... Um, that how they already really define out to, to to recognize the uh, the, the, the basically the, the process of their machine learning and it was really impressive and just mind blowing.
4: Well, it was it was even interesting to see how, or to listen to how these different vendors decided how they're going to collect the analytics. Right? Are you, are you still going to use this old tried and true SMP, um, you know walk and then, um, uh, or are we going to start leveraging uh, telemetry data and and uh, there did I don't know. It seemed like we're moving that way toward toward telemetry, but uh, but there was a pretty compelling argument just to stick around with uh, the still with a lot of SNMP and netflow
2: and syslog going right, on. Yeah. yeah,
4: a lot. Well, and
5: you know, like we we had asked Extreme at one point. You know, are you taking SIM data and all that kind of stuff, and how are you doing that? I mean, there's a lot of guys starting to do that now, but just the and I appreciated them. Calling it machine learning and not AI because I think that's still well. Yeah, they tripped that's up there, big, right. That's a big one time. <laughs> Once we caught him. Yeah. But I mean, but that's still the big fight, right? Is it machine learning? Or is it and it is machine learning because the machines are talking to you know it is Skynet, right? But
0: oh, when you put it that way, I sure hope not.
5: Yeah, yeah but yeah. but the way they but the way they are putting it together and how they are mapping it out and especially if you it doesn't have to be their system, right? And I think a lot of people are doing that, but. And seeing like the visuals they had was really cool. Of and hopefully everybody watches the videos because it was really cool how they showed the three dimensional of you know here uh, it is of, and, of identifying
0: yeah yeah, yeah what mm-hmm. what anomalous looks like
5: and then the one random Raspberry Pi out of how many hundreds was flashing and how you figure out that that's the one that's the problem
2: and right. what jumped out to me is that regardless of what the product was whether it was a pure visibility product or it was a security product or something else everybody had a visibility or analytics component. They're all understanding that they've got data that can be useful for something besides what the core functionality of the product is.
0: Right. I think the real challenge for me as I look at this is like, you know, like you, you have these companies that are building their own. It's actually one of the questions I asked Extreme was around like, okay, so you're building all this great, you know, data ingestion and... You know, can, can I do something with that? But can, can I do something with other people's data, too? Because the chances of me yeah. running a homogeneous network is unlikely. I've got other devices that I'm going to want to apply this to. Yeah. And luckily, their answer was yes. They gave the right answer. They're, they are ingesting <laughs> other people's other people's data. But Absolutely. we see a lot of vendors who are building these, these networks where the analytics are one of the features, and they try to keep it, like, closed down because you're only going to get this level of analytics if you go with us. Um, which, I mean, there's good reason for that. I don't want to, like, pick on them saying, like, it's a bad thing. It's a lot easier... When you have control of the entire system to build something where you can ingest that data, but the the other side of that is is that okay? So what happens when I choose to run another vendor's firewall or another vendor's load balancer or another vendor, whatever, right? And like you meet eighty percent of my needs, but right. I need something over here, and now that's not part of this, you know. So it, it's really interesting to watch the difference between companies who are building analytics products that are not tied to a vendor compared to analytics products that are tied to a vendor. And it seems like the ones that are tied to a vendor, someone who's providing hardware, seem to actually be a little bit more advanced. They seem to have features that maybe the, the general purpose ones just aren't there yet because the general purpose ones have to do it in a very broad sense.
5: Oh, but also, do I have to, and, and this is one of the big things that I kind of like about, right? I think Extreme had it, but I don't necessarily have to put a sensor somewhere on the network to find that stuff, right? So there are some companies that are doing that, that I've got to have some sort of sensor sitting there monitoring and why do I want more devices then that I have to you know monitor just to capture that data
1: right but extremes bread and butter their history has been around these analytics absolutely you know they're the NFL partner for analytics and they are very proud about saying that and it's from that history, they're able to go out and kind of, they've already been working with these other vendors to pull that information into their platform, and now they're just kind of adding on top of it with this machine learning to actually identify these devices, what are the anomalies, uh, and how do we take action on it? Absolutely.
3: One
2: thing that jumped out to me is that when we would ask a vendor about integrating with third parties, the magic answer from everybody was API. Yeah. Right. And that's something we didn't really drill into, like, okay, you've got the API, they've got an API, but how much data can I actually pull out? How well are they integrated? How much work is going to have to go into maintaining all these APIs and compatibility? So it's sort of like glossed over at this point, but everybody knows they have to be able to say API.
4: Well, I think everybody else, also, we all also seem to almost unanimously would say, okay, are these APIs documented, are they open? Are they, and and Almost to a to a man, and the the presenter would say, "Yes, we, we have this great open stack, and and yes, it's perfectly documented, and you can write all kinds of applications." Like, I, I, I'm curious that? what real yeah. real. I don't know if I believe you.
5: And also full functional API, right? Because right? I can have API all day long, and but how full featured is it? Right. Because we we all know. That's not the case in the industry right well, they you know, say we, it is but it isn't and
0: we're hearing more and more people that are actually building their products with the idea of an api api first mentality right, the idea exactly. is i'm going to build the service i'm going to provide the api and whatever whatever you use to consume that whether you're going to use the gui or a cli or something whatever the tool is is actually calling that api because they're using it as a subscriber to give you the interface and that seems to be the way to go the thing that i'm finding is that like we have all these vendors writing. Completely bespoke APIs, right? There, there's not there's not like a standard or any way for these things to interrupt with each other, and so integrations are based completely on which companies like each other and which ones don't fight each other for business, you know, share or market share or business value or whatever. Um, and so, like, I, I really think there's a huge gap in the market there. I think that we're like so we're we're past the the the, the phase in networking where API was a question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one or not? I, I, think, I think right now it, it's gotten to the point where it's pretty much table stakes. And if you answer that question, no, you're behind. But now the question is, is the, is the API full? Is it available? Is it documented? And how easy is it to work with?
2: Right. And is it going to be maintained? And, and,
0: yeah. yeah, oh, in that, and the backwards compatibilities we change API versions, yeah. and are those well documented, and how do I work with oh. that? I mean, there's all kinds of complexity here. And this is us as networkers so I can only imagine the people who actually write code <laughs> who are <like> streaming <laughs> right now. We're like, yes, 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 and all of these other things you're not even considering as well. So well then
5: every time you upgrade, do you break an API? Exactly. Is it gonna be in every upgrade? Right, oh, and then when your that's... API first and
0: you break the API, yes. just that now, now the GUI that you're using yeah, break that? behind it because it's API right. first, have we inter- introduced new issues?
5: Which, and, but I think you bring up a good point about that. And that was something that Fortinet told us today, which I thought was good because there's other guys doing it. But you know they are doing API first, like you said. And then they're building around that, which <laughs> then you know it's full-featured because it has to be. And I think when guys are doing that, that's the key to it. And I think, as I think more and more people are doing that. I've seen other manufacturers doing that. Mm-hmm. and it, it has to be the way. I mean, with all all the different single pane of glasses
1: that we have <laughs> out yeah. there.
0: We all have drinks. i to take a drink. Now. Just a yeah, if if yeah.
1: you looked at at past <laughs> solutions, there another vendor that had a a UI that wasn't that attractive, but that's because they're building the technology behind the scenes, that infrastructure of of API first mentality of let's get this thing built well, and then we can just farm out whoever needs to build the UI and do the the pretty upfront, exactly for us. But as far as APIs go and getting a standard going, is there a potential to where we have a, a mid problem like we have with SNMP if you're monitoring with one platform Um, with SNMP strings and you don't have the right MIBs and stuff, you can only do a limited amount of things. If we don't have standard API strings in some of our tools in the future, um, are we going to have that same thing where we'll need to load a a MIB of sorts for all these APIs for all the vendors and all the other other products of the way they're doing it, you know? But hopefully
5: with what Juniper is doing with the NRE labs that we saw this week as well, that everybody can come together and kind of possibly work on some sort of standard I mean well, I mean yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how much
0: that. I don't know how much interop we're going to find out of NRE Labs well but that was a really neat thing I mean I'd like to talk about that because Jennifer yeah, came in and this is really unique right they, like they, they paid money to come here to be a, a, a field day <laughs> presenter and they didn't sell anything right they, they came and said hey we have this cool free tool that you can use you don't even have to sign up for it we don't use cookies to track you <laughs> like like it like from from a business decision it's Questionable. So right. <laughs> a business decision, is questionable. I still think it's a good business decision, but, but it, it's not. It's not right. a traditional business yes, decision, yeah. right? But the idea is, uh, you know, Juniper seems to really be in in the market of investing into engineering skill sets. Like that—that that seems to be what they're trying to do, and I'm sure and, I'm sure that there's a back-end tie-in that hopefully they're hoping that this will drive more sales with <laughs> Juniper switches and routers and all the well, stuff that's yeah. there. But I think that I think that they really feel that like we're at this precipice where people can be left behind, and they're trying to build this tool. EDR Labs was really cool. They've always yeah.
2: made Junos programmable and extensible. And they've been at, they've been at the you know, front of the pack
0: when it comes well, to automation.
2: They've they they called it a like a pipeline or a production problem in that there aren't enough engineers to take advantage of it, so they're mindset is, okay, let's train people. And so if we give them this training, then maybe they'll be like, oh, and look at all the good things Junos can and do. So it's sort of a second-order sales
3: effect, but, right. yeah, but it's, it's, it's cool on its own. What is great about the platform is that because I, I think that I might not be the only one is so I try to, hey, let's let's, type, let's look at that API thing in Python and RESTful. And then you start to Google, oh, you need to install this and you need to install that and this and compile. and It's this, hey, it's on a website. I click, and I type, right. So there's, it's, there's it's two it's huge advantages. Huge advantage. And then right. y- once you kind of, I, hey, you know what? Now I, I I can actually code something. Then I'll be able to go Google stuff and understand what the guy asked me to do when I install because. We use, we all use open source, and there's nothing that make me more angry. So when I open the README first, and well, I assume you know, you know what to do. Have fun. It's like no, dude. I download the project, <laughs> I have nuclear no to compile it, and that for me that was, okay. I just lost a couple of hours in my life. Well, and I and I
5: agree with you. I mean, we come from most of us come from backgrounds of pushing ones and zeros, not writing code, and so it's a totally different.
3: Well, I, it, I, it's a totally
5: different mind shift to go from configuring routers and controllers and APs to writing py- you know, trying to do variables and stuff. But
3: you know what, my, uh, Nick, I, <clears throat> I'm a programmer. I'm that old. I used to program in 32K, yeah, a K. And my last code that I actually wrote was in VB3. So, you know, there's, Water kind of flown beyond, beyond, uh, under the bridge and stands So Do you still still get your feet a bit. <laughs> I do. Okay. I, I do, I, I've kept a couple.
0: So if you're not familiar with NRE Labs, I think it would be good to have a little bit of an explanation yeah. of what so they're yes. doing. So the first thing is it's a website. The website essentially is a lab. The idea is you go there, you go to the website, you say, I want to learn about doing this thing. And they are using, you know, all of the cool DevOps stuff behind the scenes to spin up instances for you to work on. You get a console via your browser. And these devices are yours to play with. So there is a lab for you to actually like work through specifically what it is you're there to learn, but you're actually getting virtual devices that are fully functional virtual instances of these devices so you could use them for other things as well. So and what's nice
2: about this, it's not just a console, there's also like text coming down one side mm-hmm. of the screen that sort of tells you what's going on and why you're trying to do this thing as oh, opposed to just right. it's and, it's, go, go and play. it's
5: And it's the Jupyter Notebooks. So yeah, right. anybody that's tried Python, the Jupyter Notebook thing is huge because you can, literally code and run together and see what's happening and not have to try to flip back and forth. One
1: of the most valuable things they do though is they're showing you real potential solutions. A lot of time you're trying to learn Python or learn scripting languages, you're going, your hello worlds or some (laughs) thing that makes lists and variables (laughs) or whatever. And sure, it's good to have that foundation, but here you're learning that, that foundation in what network engineers and what we're actually gonna be using the products and tools for.
0: Right. I always, I always thought like just a shout out to Kirk Byers. He does a, a Python for network engineers course. Yep. Where, like, yep. right. He kind of puts the context around learning <coughs> Python around things that you would actually use it for, yep. which I always thought was amazing. This is just another step beyond that because it's not like okay, here's the here's you know here's your Python interpreter and I'm going to give you here's your CDP neighbors and do something with it. This is actually I'm going to go on the device and do it.
3: What, what also is nice and this is it's. There is their section, and we, you know they talk about Junos. So there's there's exercises that are already based on their. Um, what is it? I don't remember the exact, but it started by J something. So I guess the juniper uh, juniper stuff. But they have a section that they say this is open, and in fact that's true because it's 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 not they're not using Netmiko, but they're using whatever the other. They're using yeah, NetBomb, NetBomb, they're using so, all kinds of different tools. So basically, like okay with that. that, you can you can run it on anything and yep. this is this is great and you know it's it's free and that's what the well, yeah and was. it's and
0: it's free in all senses because yeah. again like a lot of times you get offered something free and you have to sell your soul to get it yeah. right yeah. Like, like this is this is this is not that no. like you literally go to the page and say I want to learn something you go do it there's no email collection there's no. nothing like that um, so I mean, it's, it's just a fantastic resource. If you haven't checked it out yet, you absolutely should go check out NRE yes. Labs.
3: NRE um, Labs. One of the Google other thing
4: is, is, you know, I'm glad this conversation came up because this is like these online tools that some of these vendors are putting out are, are really one of the best kept secrets I think out in, in IT. Right? It, it took me a long time to learn about like DCloud and DevNet and all that stuff. Right. And now, um, you know, Juniper comes in and says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna buy this time slot so we can we can talk to we can talk to Tech Field Day or Network Field Day." And, they're not telling you anything except hey go and try these labs that we would love for you guys to actually pick up some skills and this is all like you know digital transformation and you got to start with your career and and to push technology along in your enterprise right
3: do you remember a couple it's more than a couple years ago Jennifer cannes came out with that web thing that you could emulate stuff on, on the web and everybody burned them down because it was costing a lot of money to do it and then At the time, we were all running our stuff on GNS3. And then Cisco came in with that viral stuff. And now the DHS, I think that this is exactly what I would have loved to have about 10 years ago to learn Juniper because it's, it's free, it's simple, you, you just log, you do your stuff, and that's it.
0: Right, and, and you said learn Juniper, but it's not even really about learning Juniper. No, like, in I that mean, case like, it's... You, you can if you want to, because you're <laughs> yeah. gonna have a... You know, a, a, a QFX. A, yeah, yeah, a QFX right. uh, V or whatever it's that's there. It's
5: programming for networkers, exactly yeah. like you right. said. I, <laughs> taking a network engineer, and, cause that's, and, and I tell everybody in my organization that I deal with, the, the engineers that we bring along, I'm like, you realize life's changing, right? You have to learn this stuff or you're not going to have a job in the next three years. Right. I mean, without a doubt.
0: I don't know about the time frame. But we will, Five it's years, changing, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, it, it could be one year, I have ten no idea, years. but it's, you know, it's one of these, I, I, oh, crystal balls of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but but the reality is, is that obviously the industry is moving this way, and it, you know, like, it there's all kinds of implications, and that's a whole thing for another show about the implications of the changing, you know, landscape yes. of, of networking. But, if you're a network engineer, you should at least be getting yourself familiar with these concepts. Even if you're not using them every day in your job, you need to be going this direction, and this is just a good resource for that. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Um, one of the other big themes that happened this week is SD-WAN, which I'm sure we're all around this table just super surprised that SD-WAN was a thing at Networking Field Day.
1: <laughs> yes. Where did that come from? Did <laughs> anybody
0: ever hear about, about that? <laughs> 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 right, so you know, one of the most hyped technology of the past few years, right? So we had a few vendors here talking about SD-WAN. Um, did you guys have any impressions from the companies who talked about SD-WAN? We had a couple of them come in and chat with us. Did you have any thoughts?
3: I was um, about... Um, actually uh, G- uh, the, the, this morning it was um, Fortinet. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was I was looking for the first. Yeah. <laughs> looking at the products is great. It's fun, but it's for me it was like you know what I've been setting VPN like that since the last twenty years. The only thing you did is you automate the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what
1: SD-WAN is. SD-WAN is nothing more yeah. than hyped up IPSLA with policy based routing and yeah. yeah. auto or, VPNs. Auto VPN yeah. yeah. back to a. Back to in Fortinet, a command, you don't even have to do the auto VPN to right. be SD-WAN, right? Like so. Uh, it'll build some of these tunnels, yeah, right? Yeah, I
0: agree with you to like ninety-five percent, right? Like that, like that's generally what. Well, it he's is. a wireless guy, so it's okay. That's true. So what does he know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to get like wireless guys again. <laughs> um, but uh, it, the difference is a controller, and I think this is probably why wireless guys have a harder time understanding why this is different for us, right? Is is we've had controller-based networks in wireless for quite some time. It's a model that's very well proven out in in wired. Campus WAN networks, data center networks. This is a relatively, uh, you know, I won't say new, but it's a forming topic, right? It's an idea that we're really getting familiar with. We're starting to see implemented, and
5: it's Flex connect for WANs. Yeah, That's a
0: wireless but you know one. what? In I, the case. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but but the difference here is, you know, we're used to a world where every device has this, you know, this very closeted view of the network. I only see right. the network as myself. And SD-WAN now says, okay, well, we see the network as a whole and all this data gets reported back to the controller so that we can treat the network as a whole. It's not just configuration, it's then also adjustment and all that. So we have these routing protocols that try to interact with each other and we try to guess at the state of a link and we've had a very hard time adjusting to things like brownouts. I think uh, the guys from 128 said... uh, said, broken, not dead, or something like that. Broken, but not dead. Yeah. Broken, but not dead. The idea that, <laughs> hey, I, I'm dropping 5% of my packets. Well, 5% of the packets may not down my writing protocol. If it doesn't down my routing protocol, I'm still routing over that link because I've told it it's my primary link. I don't really have any other thing to measure whether or not that that link is giving me the performance that I need. And SD WAN, and while we've we've had the ability, it's been complex to have that ability implemented in networks with a bunch of autonomous systems that have to talk to each other. So when we add the controller, it adds a lot of simplicity around configuring that network as a whole concept. And so that's where I would disagree. There's a lot of the same technologies, but. A, bit different point of view on the network that allows us to do some things a lot easier.
2: I think the other key piece is that application identification and that you can build policy around specific individual applications, not just the performance of a link.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've had, again, we've had that, we've right? Had that. The, but but, the, but the when we get into like policy-based routing, yeah. so let's talk about policy-based routing. I now have to make the far end act in you know, in unison with this end. So it's not just the egress path, I've got to affect the ingress ingress path to go the the same way. And those things aren't stateful. It's not like when it gets to the other side, it says, oh, this is an application, I know I have to send it back this way because it came in on this link. No, 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 it's going to follow the routing table unless I also implement some sort of, you know, PBR policy on the far end as well. That's great with two routers, do that on 50. Well, like it gets really, really hard. That's basically that what I track.
3: what I ask because <clears throat> their their solution of auto auto VPN will work correctly if, if you have the forty manager. Otherwise, if you have let's say that you have your twenty some odd boxes and you didn't buy forty manager for whatever reason, then those forty those twenty boxes are just island, and you'll have to configure them one to one. So. You're gonna do that anyways. I mean, if you're buying twenty boxes, you're gonna buy FortiManager. a manager.
5: But it also doesn't matter what SD WAN you go with. If you're doing Viptela or anybody, you have to have They're that manager, have controller. or yeah. you're not doing you're not doing SD WAN at that point. Yeah, that's Florida. just routers that are interconnected. And, right. But I'm
4: but I'm following. Even, even so, in my in the organization I work in, um, one of the one of the misconceptions about SD WAN is like, okay, cool. I've got uh, I've got Meraki, I've got uh, Fortinet, and I've got my you know my Cisco router connecting to my MPLS and the internet connects to my to my Fortinet or my Meraki device. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm 100% SD-WAN ready to go. And so some of my questions about uh, to Fortinet today were about, you know, about architecture and how and how you make those decisions about how do you forward how do you forward traffic um, based on this policy that you're pushing out. And and SD-WAN is I think is a, is becoming a lot more complicated than just putting on a, you know, PBR on the on your your egress device to make these decisions, right? Right, they're, they're, I mean, there's a
0: lot to do with the texture, like yeah, absolutely. detection, like detection, that's one of the more challenging things that happens, you know, differently on the different types of devices. My, the other is, uh, especially My impression,
5: traffic, right? Because we're doing so much Skype on the desktop, and, and what do I do with it?
0: Yeah. My impression with Fortinet is actually, I was actually rather impressed. And the reason why yep. I say that is because I think, as far as I know, I could be completely wrong on this. I've been following the space for a few years. They're like the newest. <laughs> like they—they've not been doing SD WAN for a long time. Like they entered a very congested market, and they already had a foothold because they had all their devices already yeah. out, right? And they, they enabled it on devices that already existed, so it's so not like you had to go—you know—go sell a bunch of new stuff. Um, but. But the reality is I didn't know how refined their product would be because of the fact like they just entered. And I don't think they bought, like, I don't think they acquired anything, Like I don't, no, I don't I think Right, exactly. And it's so considering that health they've health been health. in the market for like, measured in months as compared to some of these other people who have been measured
3: in years. Yeah, but they, they already had all the, all, all, all the pieces because they were doing for like ever. The only thing that they need to do is try to figure out, to hey, let's, let's, let's do right. that all together. So, so my take is
0: I was surprised that they were as far as long as they are. I still think there's more room to grow. I think there's some gaps compared to some of the more refined SD WAN solutions that are out there. Sure, but like, I now see why everyone's taking them seriously. Like, I, I now see why everyone's taking them yeah, seriously because they have a huge already installed base, and they seem really serious about getting the feature set in there to a way that's acceptable as an SD
3: WAN. And they basically said, "You know what? You you already have Fortinet. You mm. you have the upgrade day. You have SD WAN. That's it." I, th- I think the thing they have to fix, and I think
5: a lot of us were talking about is just some of the f- FUD that they're putting. Like, comparing. I mean... Yeah, I you know, mean... So, and, and we all know what third-party <laughs> tests are like, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're touting your third-party, and then you look at who they're against, and you never saw Silver Peak, you never saw Viptela. And some of
0: that may be under their control, and some of that may Absolutely. not be. Absolutely. I right, agree. Like,
5: yeah, but, but still, if you're touting yourself as this... <laughs> we've got this amazing SD-WAN, and I do think it's really good stuff, but... If you're out there doing that, you've got to show against those guys because yeah, you're you're never going to make harder. a foothold if you don't.
0: I, I kind of had this at their SSL decryption number, right? Like right. If they, as they were talking about it, and they
5: said you mean decryption. the one that at one side was. Yeah, forty so percent I mean, in one side.
0: <laughs> that, that SSL decryption actually improved performance. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, sure how that happens, right? But but you know like they, they quoted numbers just like everybody else. But it was oh yeah we're going to quote numbers in the best possible circumstances. And then the next slide put up a slide to where there was you know where the, the the first slide is hey yeah we only have seventeen percent you know well, performance, kind of degradation. Degradation. performance degradation. but it was which is a really so impressive 30%. number. And then they go and everybody else has like seventy percent. And the next slide has them like near fifty percent performance right. degradation. All on one of the boxes that everybody would own, I'm like, right. right. like sure we've already got come to be on, by the by yeah. the delegates. So yeah, yeah, they there's there's like... caught onto that pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Math is one of our things. <laughs> well, <Yeah.
0: laughs> well, then when the, especially when you make these these really impressive claims. <laughs> And then you give us actual data on the next right. slide, like so. There's there's one of two paths here. You either make the claim and move on, so that right. you don't have let people like do the math for right. you, or, or or live up to well, the claim under- put that blackout yeah. box. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard when
5: you put two products side by side that one has a forty-something percent loss and the other one has a gain. It's like whoa. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Let, let's and go and back I, to that slide I, a minute.
0: I don't think I don't think there are a lot. Like so, like, when we not. talk yeah, about encryption and firewall performance, when you enable features, Everybody I mean, if you've been doing it. these for any yep. period of time, you know, yeah. you lose performance the more features you add. You know that the specs that they quote yes aren't. The, the ideal world We're not beating space. on you, Fortinet, I think no, we all Fortnite, think yeah. We like what you're doing. But guess what? You live in the real world with everybody else. Right. Like you, you, have performance degradation when you turn on features. We all know it. It's just a matter of figuring out: Are you really like better than everybody else, or is, is it? Yeah. You know, what
4: they what they described it as far as like parallel processing and, and you know being able to break out certain flows and and computationally take these take that workload off of mm-hmm. certain you know certain, um, certain processes yeah. were. Wow, that's kind of a good idea, and I'm—I would love to see like the actual data, but it would seem like that would improve that would improve performance right. across the plane.
1: Yeah, so you have a chip doing all your routing or all your management processing, kind right. of your your overhead on that. Right. But then all the security stuff goes back to a dedicated security ASIC that they've kind of worked and and, and molded for this platform. So that's how they're kind of, you know, yep. doing some of those performance and numbers. And I think that's right? smart.
5: It's it's a dedicated ASIC for or a chip for, you know security for wire, for whatever, because I know there are some vendors out there that you can't do that, it's one or the other, and I mean, it's, if it's a
2: competitive differentiator that yes. they're trying to leverage, but they've yes. got to be careful when they start throwing numbers at right. throw yeah.
3: I think what <laughs> was missing for on that presentation on my side is, is it, they didn't they mentioned zero touch deployment, but they didn't, they didn't have time to cover it. Yeah. And, and for I mean, me, as the one is that... That was our always fault, always not theirs. That's yeah. was a <laughs> <to> challenge <laughs> <these> <laughs> for, me, yeah. for me, basically, as the one is this... Is Why didn't you ask one, the question? Right. Yeah, yeah, I should have. I took it offline, and the guy said, well, we didn't have time to cover it.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's one of the challenges, uh, you know. You know, inside politics, right? As a delegate, is that like, you know, I, I'm going to call. Out, I'm going to call out 128 here. 128 te- technology. We actually just finished with their presentation, and they're kind of in the same space as well. Although they kind of do more than SD WAN. Like their their thing is they're they're like routing. they're a whole new approach to routing, um, and it's interesting, um, but like it was so different that there's no way that we could have like gotten out of them that all the information we needed or wanted in the time that we had. What like, 128 so it's
2: technology needs is a storyteller.
0: I, I agree with that. Like I was, I, I like. It seemed like their technology is really cool, and I'm really interested. If you watch it, you're going to see me ask like eight hundred questions because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what about this, or how does this work compared to this? And like, I I, I was incredibly interested because I love routing. Like, routing is just one of my things. <laughs> but I, why why are you You are
3: so weird. I,
0: yeah, says the wireless guys. <laughs> <laughs>
3: fantastic. I think that's so, their presentation. They, I don't think that they were ready to. Get the kind of technical question that we're going to ask them. They were shocked, and it, it, <laughs> they, it, yeah, it, I think it, they,
5: it, they got a little blindsided
1: yeah, by and it was, what the delegates were asking guys. to be. No, it's,
5: it was everybody.
1: I do blame Jordan you know 100%. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, but um, 128. You know, I, I've got to call them uh, out as well because they put on their slides. You know, overlays are bad, or and they're not necessary. But then, in the same sentence, they're saying, you know, our overlay. Does this and this and this, or it works in this. Yeah, there are definitely was some
0: some brand mismatching so, yeah. Like, did yeah, like, just seem
1: like what are we doing? What are we dealing with? Let's see the packets get, and, and maybe we can get, figure get, out from get there. Get the story figured. So out.
0: I, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Drew. Like I, I feel like I feel like if you know uh, the guys who were here were, were very smart people and they're very competent people. So I'm not like trying to, to be disrespectful to them, um, but I feel like we needed a TME, someone who really understood the product but could explain it in terms yes. to two engineers to understand what it actually did. Because I have a feeling that's what what's under the hood is actually really cool. The yeah, little bits. That I got about what they're doing is unique. It's it is cool. different. It is very cool. It's VPN without the same overhead. Like there's all kinds of things that I could see advantages in, but I don't fully understand. Like I couldn't sit here and say, "Oh man, you need to go check this out," because I don't really fully know how it works. And right. part of my frustration
2: was that they picked the fight by kicking off their presentation, bad mouthing overlays, and then saying, "We're not an overlay." But well, that saying, is true. We are they, an overlay. They, they didn't fight. And that. so the delegates are like. Can you explain well, this to you? us? So instead of you know drilling into their technology, we had to spend 20 minutes trying to find what is an they, overlay. They also of jumped in and mentioned and,
0: name data networking and, and, and segment, segment routing. routing yeah. And I'm still not quite sure how those two things came into play there. I mean, I did definitely see some some hints of name data routing or name data networking. Like, I, I saw some hints of doing that. But I, I definitely didn't see what I traditionally know as name data networking. Um, and I you know segment routing just was completely non-present. Like, I, I'm not quite sure why that was mentioned at the top. Uh, maybe it has something to do with something that I don't understand yet, right? Right, but I, I kind of left that kind of. Well, but I think, maybe I think, you guys but can, I, can weigh into because I
4: could have sworn they talked to, uh, talked a little bit about the free range pro, uh, free range routing product. They, they as did. That's well. so yeah. so what they're running. They they're, yeah. So
0: their routing stack underneath. Is is they're is, running free range yes. routing for um, specifically for uh, you know the routing protocols. That so you, this is this is a perfect. the sort of dovetails on
4: what what you said. Drew is that uh, like any out of work technical. Uh, evangelist.
0: Go call 128 Technologies no, right down. now. Oh. He
5: said evangelist.
0: Oh. <laughs> so we had a, we had a couple of presentations that kind of sit outside these broad themes as well. I want to make sure that we touch on them just because they're, they're things we saw this week.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we we saw Kemp with load balancing. Yeah. Do you guys have any any?
1: That's another one that kind of throws me for a loop, kind of like 128, where I'm I come from a world of here's these appliances that sit in front of the uh, in the data center. They sit in front of the application. They do the load balancing on themselves. They they do the SSL offload, and into the uh, your ESX farm they go. Uh, where Kemp comes in with a notion of put it per on the put it in balancing. the node itself. Do it per application and break up your traffic that way. And I'm I had a really difficult time kind of wrapping my head around. Uh, all that and how that functions right there with It seems like right, right right there are the interim steps you.
0: of trying to be adaptable to the new, you know, the new DevOps style of deploying. You know, this whole, whole idea of horizontal scalable infrastructure, because the idea is I uh, you know, like having a middle box, just a single middle box or two middle boxes, an HA pair that sits in front of all of my clusters and all of my applications is no longer an acceptable way to deploy load balancers. And they see that and they know that, and they're and they're getting pressure from HA proxy and Nginx, right? Like, like th- those things, are, like develop- I think they mention them right off. Right, it, they, know. they know that. Like that's no secret. Like they're in there and like developers. They go to write an application or build a pod of something, you know, like they're they're going to throw an HA proxy because they can just do it like that and it's done. It's it's, it's over. So you know, uh, Kemp is trying to reposition themselves to make sure that they they remain relevant and are able to provide a firewall, a fully featured firewall, right that's supported and all this stuff that has horizontal scalability. I just didn't feel like they were there yet. I feel like we got the presentation like, hey, this is what we're doing, but I didn't feel like all of the management infrastructure around it didn't exist. Or- like, the problem is, is like I could deploy it horizontally scalable and I could deploy a bunch, but then if I needed to go back and do anything with those, like they definitely weren't ephemeral. They weren't meant to be like, Ripped down and destroyed. It's
2: not a service mesh. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not right. a service
0: mesh. And so now now I'm managing a fleet of load balancers rather than a couple of load balancers, but I don't have the tools to manage a fleet of load balancers.
2: It's like and micro so segmentation
0: like, Yeah, like, and so and so like you know, if you're gonna go that path, either they need to be ephemeral and you need some way to automatically spin them up and spin them down as part of, you know, as part of the spin-up process of whatever service you're spinning up or you need to be able to go spin them up and then manage these things in front of pods that may have a smaller role. It's got to be one or the other, and I don't feel like they're quite there yet, but I don't think that they don't know that. Like, they definitely didn't give me the impression they didn't know that. I felt like it was just like, okay, this is where we're at, this is what we're doing, we can do this today. And it's different than, like, I mean, you're not doing it with an F5 today.
5: I don't know. (laughs) so, So coming from, like, Richard, I mean, I don't come from that world, but just the story, right? I think they're in the same boat as 128 a little bit of that story needs to be refined a little bit more. Well, it, yeah, it, I'm filling in a lot of blanks for them
0: here, right? But, like, no, but Not all of that was in the presentation. And that was, yeah. and that
5: was the problem. And yeah. I, I think <laughs> they, they've got... to send a
0: commission check to Jordan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think they've got... By the stuff. way, I am not looking for TME jobs. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> all, kinds Holger, all kinds of stuff. Either is Tom Holland, apparently. He's got to ask a couple yeah. of times if he's willing to be in this week. But, but I think
5: it's the same idea, right? There's, it, there's really cool stuff, and they
0: just don't know how to tell the story. Yeah, I and think if you lose the story, true. it's done. Right. Right. So well, when you only have an hour or two, yeah, it's it's hard. Well, and what, what I found is, I mean, some, there were some times when I, in
4: my background where i managed F5s and, and escalators and such, and, it, um, and so I come from that, it, all right, I got a pair, uh, got a pair of... Yeah, uh, hey, you of got bouncers, the traditional of balancer bar, yeah. And, and so um, one of the things that kind of threw me for a loop is when when the Kemp folks were, were talking about how, okay, you can spin this up, and we're going to do application-specific firewalls, and we're just going to have hundreds of thousands of them, depending on how many mm-hmm. applications you want to you balance. Um, I'm thinking... Well, geez, man, if I'm that if I'm that network engineer, you know, sitting there going, how in the world am I going to manage all this stuff? And now you're, t- now Kemp is telling me that I can go out to that particular virtual device and make changes there, and then I can come back to your centralized, man- your quote-unquote centralized management platform, and I can make changes here. Where is the source of truth? I got to talking with um, with Ed Horley a little bit, and and well, he saw things from a from a little different perspective, and he said. I don't care who the central source of truth is. Frankly, if you've got if you're going to spin up this application, you're going to have you're going to have one image and if someone goes out on that on that load balancer and makes a change and screws the whole application up, tear it down and put it back up. Like I guess I should kind of rethink how I how I would do my day-to-day operations. Right. But we didn't hear that kind of thing from, uh, from right. Kim. I think right.
1: some of the story was lost in, you know when they were doing their demos, it was a video demo, so we couldn't ask questions to kind of run through the GUI with them yeah. and, and run how right, the right. operation actually goes. And some, of, so. and
0: some of that is just, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes logistics, how to do field day. Like and we're in hotels, yeah. Yeah. And depending on wireless. It's probably pretty like smart demos. to run a video demo, but it does have right. deficiencies. And right? getting back to your
2: point about uh, what Ed was talking about was a fully DevOps, fully CI/CD right. kind of environment where not a lot of people are, and I think Kemp is trying to bridge that. This is where we want to get yeah. to, but in the meantime, we've got a lot of folks doing things the traditional way, yeah, and so I think of Kemp, yeah. Kemp is sort of a bridge to that yep. that new model. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think they're positioned well, and I think that I think we'll see them refine over time. I, I think that just like everything else, like you know, they're working to to meet the new demands. Just like engineers are, we talked about NRE Labs. It's like okay, we all got to learn how to do I think this. You stuff. can't
2: get too far out in front of your customers because no. they won't
5: buy right. it then. They will buy down. it. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and, and they the may break. be, but I actually Net Rounds was the one that I was impressed with. For what I like a lot of what they're doing, just around the analytics stuff. Oh, so back to, the, back, back to the back to beginning analytics. Of the analytics. Hey, back to analytics. Yeah, NetRounds Rounds. <laughs> did
0: really have a, have a nice product.
5: And around. you know, my family's from Sweden, so I'm a little. I'll oh, say so your bias. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. <laughs> Drive a Volvo and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dive too deep into it, but I definitely do think you should go check out the Rounds presentation. I think they did have some interesting um, ways of, of doing analytics. I mean, like, again, everybody was doing it, so, but they were they were one of the companies who was doing it.
5: Well, But they're doing it, and, and what, what got me was the client-side analytics, where I can put a Nook or something out there and actually run as a client, wireless or whatever, yeah, and actually get yeah. real... RSSI values and things like that, that I need when I'm remotely trying to troubleshoot stuff. Yeah, there's a
0: few companies doing that distributed thing, they're doing it as well, and they're doing a good job with it. Yep. Um, the, this idea of being able to drop uh, an agent somewhere in your network and give a give a client side view of, of performance and, and how it actually looks like, um, and and it's important. It, it's something that I think that, um, it's not something we've always had. There's one other thing I definitely wanted to touch on, we're getting close to time here, and I just wanted to kind of give one more opportunity. We saw a very interesting uh, product that was just announced this week from SnapRoute, their cloud-native network operating system. I kind of wanted to get your take on that because it is very different.
1: It's very different. Um, for those that didn't get a chance to see the, the presentation yet, go watch <laughs> it. Um, but it's basically containers on a white box uh, routers. So, so
0: not not a, not a router or switch supporting containers. Right. Containers is actually the right. methodology that they're built and within. within this a network network and complex, Kubernetes it's an specific. It's entirely containerized. Well, Kubernetes. Environment. Yeah. Okay. With, All
1: Kubernetes. Like if you want BGP, you're spinning up a container for BGP of some process of some kind. But they're doing some very interesting things, and I see it very very scalable in some of these cloud infrastructures. But I'm, I'm hesitant about is Facebook or Google or Amazon, are they gonna switch their network operating systems to and, a snap route. I don't think, I, or I something don't think like it's that. just
0: them. I think it's also people who are who are super familiar with the idea of running a Kubernetes cluster or whatever. Like, if you know how to manage servers, I mean, Cumulus is here. Cumulus wasn't here this week, but Cumulus does the same type of thing in, in the sense that you know they said, "Hey, we should make the switch like a server. We're going to make it. You know, everyone knows how to manage Linux. We've been managing Linux for a long time. Let's make it so like we manage our switch, like we manage our server, so that we don't have two management infrastructures." Uh, I feel like this is the same thing, but just to the next degree. This is for the people who are used to used to managing or who are okay managing their stuff as containerized applications, and you get the benefits. And the benefit to me is this, you're not running any code that isn't relevant to the features that you're using. Yep. So where you know we have our traditional switch vendors where we get a monolithic image and that image is exactly what runs, and we can't disable that image or we can't disable disable features. And even if we don't use the features or bugs, if the bugs right. being introduced into a feature that we're not using, they still can impact features that we do use. Right. In this case, they say, "Oh, you want to use free-range routing or whatever? That's fine. That's going to run. A, that's up. going to run in container, and that's not going to affect their CDP daemon or whatever, or their LLDP daemon. Like, it's not going to affect any of the other features or services because all those things are their own containers. Not to mention, upgrades are no longer a single upgrade. That could be a good and a bad thing, right? But but the good thing is, it's like. I'm going to upgrade CDP. I'm not upgrading my network operating system. I'm upgrading CDP, the little daemon that runs that thing. And that's hitless, essentially, because it's such a small service. I can do that just a, a blink. I it think really was. The, it was
4: amazing. I could not yeah. believe it. Or they had traffic flowing and not a single packet was lost. Just Without, it without like ISSU tricks nuts, or anything right? like I mean, that. Yeah, ISS, yeah, this, yeah, ISSU was like, but, but I, boy, you hit the enter button, and you're like, ooh, come yeah. on, cross with fingers. Let's hope nothing croaks.
5: But I think the, the adoption hurdle is the white box thing. And I Absolutely. think people are still Going to be hesitant for a while about the white box, right? Like, you know of what? Now it's my box. I can't call Cisco. I can't call Juniper. I can't, you know. <laughs> but you know I, what? I, 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 I don't I, even I, want to get into I, that, guys, I, I, because yeah. we, we, that, that's a whole other conversation. And, you know, we have a couple of
0: conversations around this, but you're right. There,
3: I, mean, that, I,
5: I think that's still the hurdle into like a SnapRoute. Y-
3: you, you know think what? So is at all. If I was, I was kind of like you. I don't. I was scared of white box, but now if I have a white box and I have a like what SnapRoute did. And the product are good. And you know what? Huh, why not? Because I have the hardware that is cheap and I have something that actually works. So that makes sense. The
1: target market is not the, the enterprise like that like you're thinking, where I want to buy a Cisco data center and a Cisco router and all that stuff. I think they
5: don't it No, I'm I'm uh, thinking, I think I'm thinking they're, they're looking for those
1: cloud, obviously, with a right, cloud network operating system. Those cloud providers and those cloud services that, that want to but, have that scalability. But I
5: agree with Jordan. I think they really are thinking because I mean they even said they're from Apple data center side and that's what they came from and it's Apple data center is a cloud
0: so yeah so okay yeah, so I think it is a cloud way of managing but <laughs> <your laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know that they're only marketing to cloud space like I think they're looking they're saying this is a different way to manage networks I think they see this as the future they might very well be right I just don't know I don't know what the market is right now for something like that no I, I just don't know they might be wildly successful and you all can point at me and laugh right I, I just I just don't know I mean I watch you know watching what cumulus has done and they've struggled to kind of get a footing in a lot of places and that's easier than what SnapRoute is talking about about like the, it's it's more accessible than what snap is talking about and I'm sure there are places that will look at the snap thing and say that's awesome but I don't you know I, I don't know how many places that is well, but, other, uh, but on other that I we really do have to close up here we have to we have to finish up the episode All our glasses are empty we all of our up. glasses are empty it's time to hit the bar again <laughs> so all of this all of this you know all of this is to say we were here you know um, at Tech Field Day if, if you are unfamiliar and you've listened to the last 45 minutes of us talking about Tech Field Day and you still have haven't gone to the website you need to techfieldday.com um this was network networking field day 20 um all the videos are there all that stuff is there but this is the 20th iteration of networking field day so there's lots of other events to go back and look at um absolutely fantastic content friends of the show um so definitely need to go check them out thank you Um,
5: Stephen and tom yes thank you Stephen and tom for a great event
0: it's always a good thing um also obviously you're listening to network collective but if you're just listening for the first time um, we can be found everywhere. Our website is thenetworkcollective.com. Uh, all of our stuff is there. You can find us on iTunes uh, for all of our all of our past episodes if you want that delivered to you directly. Um, thanks to everyone around the table uh, for for coming in and joining us on this episode, and uh, we will see everyone next time.
5: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank,
1: thank you. you.